Patterson, and with me is the wonderful, the talented Mr. Sean McGurr. Somebody had their adjectives this week. <laughs> <laughs> Conjunction, junction, how's that function? I had my I'm Just a Bill shirt on yesterday, so. Oh, well, there you go. All right. And, of course, I have Mr. Bill here with me. Oh, look at that. Uh, again, for those of you in Radio Land, it's, it's, it's the uh, one from the cartoon that you used to see when you were on, uh, watching cartoons when you were a kid. The, uh, the Saturday morning. Yeah, Schoolhouse oh. Rock. Schoolhouse Rock, yeah. yeah. Hey, um, how do we know that the following fractions are in Europe? Fractions are in Europe? The following fractions are in Europe. Um, a over C, X over C, and W over C. Well, W C would be water closet. Mm-hmm. A over C would be Antarctica over Canada, no, uh, over um, Catalonia, and uh, what was the other one? X. X over C? Mm-hmm. X over C. No, no, that would be XM radio satellites over... <laughs> uh, no, silly, because they're all overseas. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> As if that wasn't bad enough. Wait a minute. Let me check and see if you put anything in white text. <laughs> Two physicists were, were riding in a hot air balloon and blown off course, sailing over a mountain trail, and completely lost. They spotted a jogger on the trail and they shouted, Can you tell us where we are? After a few minutes, the jogger yelled back, You're up in a balloon. One physicist turned to the other and said, Just our luck. We ran into a mathematician. The other one asked, how do you know it's a mathematician? Simple, he said. In the first place, he took a long time to answer. Second, his answer was 100% correct. And third, it was totally useless. (laughs) Okay, and if that wasn't bad enough, (laughs) three statisticians went duck hunting. A duck was approaching... And the first statistician shot and missed the duck by being a foot too high. The second one immediately shot and was a foot too low. The third one cried, Hooray! We hit it! <laughs> okay. averages. Three of statisticians, law of averages. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you remember uh, René Descartes? Descartes? He's the one who put the horse before Descartes? Yes, there, I, I skipped that one. Oh. Um, he went into his favorite ice cream store. And the clerk asked him, would you like your ice cream soda, your usual ice cream soda, Monsieur Descartes? The cut replied, I think not, and promptly disappeared. <laughs> you're you're going to try those on the kids this week, aren't you? I uh, probably. <laughs> probably not the Descartes one. I, I don't know how well that one would go over, but uh, the fractions probably... Um, I always like that I tell them jokes and get to explain them to them. Okay, here's why this is funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know, I know there's a running theme with mathematicians this week. Is there? A, is there uh, I don't know. They were just all math jokes. I oh, just found a bunch of math jokes this week. It's getting tough to find good middle school jokes that we haven't already given, that I haven't already used four times. <laughs> <laughs> Quite frankly, way. so, you know. 
when you're when you're trying to keep the jokes clean and relevant, and it gets kind of tough. And we, we've asked some listeners to blast, so we've asked all the listeners to please throw some in in, in, in the mix here. And no, no, we didn't guys. ask. We didn't ask all of them. We only asked the ones that we like. Oh, oh okay. Yes. Well, that would be all of them. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you've got if you've got a good middle school joke, please pass it along to middleschooleducators at gmail.com or uh, post it over at middleschoolmatters.com. Yeah, you can even you know contact us on Facebook or uh, Twitter. We're MS Matters on Twitter. Absolutely. Speaking, Speaking of Twitter, <laughs> some stuff from the Twitterverse this week. Um, just a few things. Uh, KD9SR is per- participating in the Den Virtual Conference that's going on now and will probably happen for a few days here. Uh, it's over at uh, blog.discoveryeducation. Uh, you go on, you know, if you Google the Den Virtual Conference, it'll get you the information. You have to remember to uh, look at the information and some other things that are posted there. So you know, I don't believe it costs anything to sign up. Check it out. Uh, it's, it's worth perusing. There's a bunch of folks over at the, in the Discovery Education Network that post some really good stuff. Mm-hmm. So don't don't go just for the virtual conference. Go for a long-term um, information source thing. Uh, let's see. John Mikulski blog post, Introduction to Podcasting for Teachers. If you've ever been curious about podcasting for teachers, here's an introduction for how to do it. Uh, it's pretty straightforward, and it's a good walkthrough. So take a look at it, and we hope you don't forget to listen to your favorite middle school podcast over here at Middle School Matters. And um, Will Rich, Will Richardson, Will Rich 45. For U.S. college students, Internet technologies have become so ubiquitous as to seem invisible. And that's a quote. He's quoting someone, and he posts a link to the, to the quote. But I think he posts a good question. What about educators? Have Internet technologies become so ubiquitous for educators that they become you know, invisible, just integrated and in, in, in intertwined. And it also brings up, there's a, a cartoon sent this week by um, Alaska Jenny, who uh, there's there's a student writing on the uh, on the chalkboard, I will not rely totally upon Google for my research. I will not rely totally upon Google for my research. <laughs> and and what would be your your prediction on that one? What are educators having internet technologies become so ubiquitous that seems to be invisible? <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no. Um, there because we have one big thing standing in the way. Um, Please yeah, don't say principles. No, no, no. Actually, principles tend. I mean, they, they can they can see the see the machine. I don't want to go bitter here. Um, tax and curriculum people. You know, curriculum people. Go, oh, there's a tool. There's a tool. But the tech people tend back and go, okay, so uh, what damage can we cause with this tool, or you know, how could this inflect? It, it brings up a, another post that uh, I didn't put in the in the Twitterverse. Somebody this week said, "Hey, I'm talking to a bunch of tech people. Talk to us about, you know, tell us, give us one comment about about Twitter. What should they know about Twitter?" <laughs> I, I quickly typed back, "It's not evil." I <laughs> uh, didn't get a response on that. Um, but I mean, no, it's not for a number of reasons. Because there are there are folks that stand, not, and when I say stand in the way, I don't mean necessarily in a bad way. But there's folks standing in between teachers and use of tech in a classroom. 
whether it's being the financial person who's going to say whether or not something gets purchased, right. whether it's going to be the IT person saying, uh, I'm going to allow you or not allow you to use technology, this technology in your classroom, your curriculum person is going to say, this is something you need or don't need, your principal who says, I'm going to give it to them, but I'm not going to give it to you because, I mean, that's, you know, I won't spend the money here, but not spend the money there. Right. Um, you know, there's a lot of different things that, that come in between using technology uh, in, in the classroom, it is not ubiquitous. And whereas students, you know, they, they just have to worry about their their folks. And and I think there is, to me, there is the big big issue is is um, what I'll loosely term the last mile issue, because it's in for me it's the having the stuff to put in front of the kids, because I think if you get the stuff to put in front of the kids a lot of those other barriers start breaking down because people will, quite frankly, break them down anyway. They'll push so hard that things will break down. But the one of the issues that we have is that the kids don't have, you don't have enough reliable stuff for the kids to access the Internet and for the kids to be doing something with it. And I think once we get to that point, there's no holding back the floodwaters. Um, so that's just one way of solving. I think that's one way, to me, that's one way of solving the many, many issues that you bring up, is that once you get rid of that excuse, and the kid, you have it in the kid's hands, and you can say, you know, we paid this much money, we got this, all this stuff in front of the kids, they can't use it if we don't do this. Teachers then feel additional pressure to um, use the stuff and make use of it. As long as they have the, as long as there is the excuse of there's one lab down somewhere in the basement where you have to sign it out three weeks in advance, and then you have to spend ten minutes walking to go get it, and you know ten minutes hooking it up, and then it doesn't work right, so you never do this again. Once you re- remove some of those, then you're going to bring along many more of the teachers because there's a lot of teachers out there who are ready to go and are ready to use it and ready to do things, but they don't have the kind of equipment and support that they, they need because, you know, they need to work on curriculum-based stuff. They need to work. They don't need to work as much on the technology. And once the technology works as easy as a phone, then you're going to see you're going to see people using it just everywhere. So the uh, the old video disc issue. Where you're not creating lessons to center on the video disc, the video disc is, you know, centered. It fits into your lessons mm-hmm. issue. Right? Yeah, one versus another. I, I understand what you're saying. Educon, are you going to Educon? You know, you don't have to go to Educon, but are you going to Educon? No, I'm not. Because because you could go to Educon 2.2, you know, and do a presentation, or you could just simply watch Educon uh, on the net and and participate using the Ustream and Twitter and and other feeds that they've got set up. And uh, Will Richardson is talking about Educon 2.2, a call for conversations and registration. Uh, they want proposals submitted by November 1st. Um, last year at Allen November's, last summer, not last year, last summer at Allen November's uh, conference in Boston, they held an impromptu Educon uh, convention the day before where they did a bunch of really cool things. Mm-hmm. And... Um, those are, those are posted online, too, aren't they? Right. There's lots yeah. of stuff posted online from there. 
Well, and, and, the, and the thing about her, or that one was the uh, the lady that uh, did all the internet side of things. She simply took her MacBook Pro and set it at the back table and shot the camera towards the um, presenter, speaker, the presenters, and the groups, and simply used and the, the audio in the room uh, as her as her sound source and streamed it right from her laptop. Mm-hmm. Uh, a number of folks had their laptops on their laps and then would turn them around to face the speaker to catch the uh, the presentations and the audio for some of the things that are happening in other rooms. Um, so it wasn't like it was a huge planned... Uh, it, was, it was huge, it was planned, but it wasn't like you had to have a ton of equipment set up and a uh, sound studio and I'm like at the at the podium and, and, um, and, a, and a camera, a really nice camera at the back, you know, shooting video. Um, and, and it is what it is. It was, it's a great resource. Not something you're going to turn into a, a, a cable channel special. Uh, it's a great, great resource, though. I mean, I, I learned, got some really cool ideas. I got some, I got some really cool ideas on how to how to present and and the session, types of sessions that could be at, at presentations from these folks. Uh, I, I mean, I, and I kept it running on my machine, my, my my computer here at home, and ran around did stuff and turned up the volume and listened while I was doing other stuff around the house. Mm-hmm. Can't do that when you're at a at a, at a, at a conference. So, anyways, Educon 2.2 registration calls for proposals. Um, the link is in our show notes. It's, uh, Halloween is coming up, and Mrs. Pendergast has Ghosts and Legends uh, linked to that, and which is an extension of another link, which looks like Tales from the Crypt. Uh, Tales from the Crypt from the Crypt this time is actually a local history project that uh, we've also thrown a link into. Uh, it might be a way for you to use the ghost your, ghosts in the graveyard uh, idea to uh, connect your social studies curriculum to your local history content that you need to cover and present. Uh, Key Curriculum Press is having a sale on books for $7.50. Check that out. Take a look at it. I just realized I'm going to edit that because we're going to keep our family show rating. Um, math to go has some stuff about instructional coaching. If you're interested in doing it or participating in it, or even if you're having instructional coaching done to you, this might be good to read. Simply know what to expect. You know, pretty, put yourself in the right mindset for it. Prep for it. Um, RM Byrne has some free technology for teachers. That's, a, that's a, actually a blog, and he's got a week in review of the most popular items from this week. I, I got a kick out of this one. Clay Shirky is hacking his HP Mini. He's going to uh, make it into a Hackintosh. He's trying it. Now, Ted... Ted. Todd Williamson has already hacked his. Uh, I hacked a, a, a Dell Mini 9, which was a ton of fun to do, and not that hard at all to do. <laughs> and and, and Ianaco on, on one of the podcasts, or all the other ports, uh, podcasts, talked about how he did it, but he wouldn't, um, you know, tell how, because it, uh, um, he didn't want folks just to buy it and try it without having some expertise or, or that sort of thing. And um, I would say that it's um, a lot easier than it's a lot easier than you think. I mean, it's, it's a matter of you, you read the read the posts, do a little educating of yourself, and it's it's not that hard. Not that I'm encouraging you to break any you know licensing agreements or anything like that. And Clay Shirky is famous for "Here Comes Everybody." Right? Yes, he's a famous author. Yes. So, uh, let's see. Paul Allison, um, Ted Sizer passed away just recently, I guess. And mm-hmm. was a couple days ago. Lot, yep, posting a lot of Ted Sizer comments. And uh, I, 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 this one piqued my interest. Uh, 
quote, you should be able to have dinner with the people who set standards for your children, unquote. And I was thinking about that in terms of there was some PD this week I had to participate in and um, how it, things are very much top-down instead of bottom-up or lateral. And um, the people who are setting the standards are becoming a smaller, smaller, smaller group of folks and more and more removed from communities. And I thought that was an interesting quote. There's a lot of folks who say, you know, teachers should be in the community. They should be a member of the community. They should live in the community. They should. Mm -hmm. And then there's those who say, well, we need a little separation. And then there are those who say, hey, you know what? We should be completely removed from the process. We should just slather curriculum over students. Um, and I will let you fight that out amongst yourselves. Just don't <laughs> fight over it in the car on your way to work. Uh, let's see. Tony Tones is at an Apple developer education camp or something camp. It's called ADE Camp 09. Um, and an interesting quote here from Apple, we can find engineers, but we can't find engineers who will work in a group. So there might be a reason right there to institute some cooperative learning for our future engineers. Um, she posed a question that popped up in the, uh, in the camp. Is the mindset in your school built around the culture of creativity and a strive for innovation? And Troy School apparently is. Yes. Okay. All right. So I, underneath it, I posted the, the link to the ADA camp. Um, there's a whole trend in Twitter based around that. So around that. Now, you need to keep in mind that Tony Tones, um, I believe, is in Australia. So this is something that is, you know, on the other side of the world, but you certainly can benefit from. NMSA News posted this week. You can start your conference experience now. It's not far away. Join NMSA 09 conference connections at their Ning site. There's some stuff being posted there. It's, it's picked up a little bit in recent days, so go over there and check that out. And Carol Giselle, one of our favorite people from NMSA, is she school-wise on Twitter. Uh, no Child Left Behind cheats gifted kids, and she has an article linked to that. She wants to know if you agree, and uh, you should comment over at uh, her website, which is schoolwise.com. So, and I think that's a possible news selection for this week, too. Oh, cool. Uh, let's see. Oh, you know what? How about some advisory stuff? Um, years ago, I bought a New Yorker bo uh, bo box, uh, a book of New Yorker cartoons, because uh, somebody gave me an idea for language arts uh, activity, and uh, this would certainly be turned into an advisory activity, is you take a cartoon, can be any type of cartoon, and you take the text out, wipe the text out in the text bubble, and give the kids the chance to fill it in themselves, creating a whole new type of cartoon with new meaning and, and new language and new everything. Um, so all they have is they have the picture to work with, and then they, they write in their own text. And you can come up with some pretty creative stuff. So I posted a link to World Magazine's articles, because they always do a collection of cartoons from the week, or the, yes, the week. Um, and you can certainly take some of those and wipe those out and have the kids write in their own. Do be selective. Um, right. Yeah. And always, you could, it requires some judgment on your part. You could also use Comic Life, too, to um, yes. just snap some pictures of different situations or different people and pop an empty balloon in there and um, either put that up on the board or print it off. And Comic Life costs money, though. Yes, it does. Um, but you could use Witty Comics. Which we talked about last week. That's right. And now they have stack stock backgrounds, but it might be a nice way to introduce it too, because you could have just a couple of, you know, simple backgrounds, simple, different. Because it's easy to change the characters, so you could have, 
you know, a waiter and a business guy or or something and pop up an empty balloon on there and um, and it would be a nice way to introduce them. It'd be another option is all I'm saying. Might be another way to do the brainy flicks thing too. You know, have the kids stage a, a word, mm-hmm. one of the SAT words, and then then you, then you could do your submissions to to brainy flicks in your advisory class, and then you know not tell the kids that you're the one actually collecting all the iTunes benefits from that. Mm-hmm. There you go. Post iTunes stuff. So, well, and not only that, but that would be that could be an interesting way instead of doing word and definition, word and definition. It'd be a different way to even have the kids create a picture that goes with the word and the definition so you're meeting some of their creativity and getting them to go in with that as well. That's true. Yeah. Just a little different. Mm-hmm. One of the things I came across this week, and I thought it was interesting, um, is um, it's from smartclassroommanagement.com. And it's an article on how to handle disrespectful students. And I I thought it was very interesting. A lot of this is really, really things that people who are listening to the podcast probably have down pat. But there was a few things that I thought were nice kind of reminders. And I think it's a good resource for if you're mentoring somebody especially to provide that with somebody that you might be mentoring. I like that it starts with the, uh, a quote from The Godfather as well. Um, it says, one of the biggest classroom mistakes teachers make is that they take disrespectful behavior personally. To quote Tom Hagen, speaking to Sonny Carleone in the classic movie The Godfather, this is business, not personal. Um, and you know, it continues on, when you take disrespectful behavior personally, two things are likely to happen. You will desire to get even to show your, te- your students who is boss. You will be inclined to scold, lecture, or react with sarcasm. Mm. And, you know, I think teachers need to be aware of the sarcasm and the ineffectiveness and the detriment that that can have when working with kids. Um, so, it, but it goes on and it provides some real basic, really good, really effective um, advice um, on how you should react. Um, it's also a good thing to consider before you make your classroom rules. And they do acknowledge that. You know, when this happens, there's going to be a jolt of adrenaline that surges, and um, it can make you feel like somehow the student won, that he or she got away without knowing how their disrespect made you feel. But a student only wins when they're able to get under your skin. Rest assured, you're not folding or giving in by resisting the urge to react emotionally. Rather, your constraint is a model for your students for how to handle negative situations with poise, and without lowering yourself to the same level of disrespect. Let your classroom management plan do its job. Um, so it, it goes on, and, and it has a, um, just a, it, it's a really nice reminder. And like I said, if you're mentoring somebody, it's a really good resource for, um, for them to take a look at and, and look through. Um, ends with kind of four steps. Handling disrespectful students with calmness and dispassion will decrease the likelihood of it happening again. 
There are other things you can do to create an atmosphere of respect in your classroom. For example, one, students will emulate, emulate you and the way you treat others, particularly if they admire you. So it's important to set the tone of respect in your classroom by the way you speak to students. Two, you must be respectful, exceedingly so, in all of your interactions. I know you've heard it before, but saying please and thank you works. For your students to get in the message, you need to use exaggerated politeness, though never obsequiousness, in front of them. And I just like that they used obsequiousness. <laughs> Three. As soon as I read that, by the way, it made it, okay, we're going to do this one. <laughs> Three. Gain your students' respect by doing exactly what you say you will do and having your words congruent with your actions. If you require your students to keep their desk clean and neatly organized, but don't keep yours that way, your students will notice. They clue into little discrepancies like this. They glean more about who you are from what you do than what you say. Four, stop telling your students how to expect them to behave and instead show them how. Model what respect looks like. For specifics about effective modeling, check this previous article out. And role play how to give it. Teach respect like you would any other subject area. Hmm. So um, I thought that was a nice resource, and um, um, especially if you are maybe training to be a teacher, or like I said, if you're you're mentoring somebody, or it's just a nice kind of reminder. I thought as well. It makes me think of the uh, Ed Ford stuff because one of the things Ed Ford talks about in his discipline plan is is being dispassionate. Don't don't magnify or amplify the situation by throwing a ton of emotion into your voice. When you turn and you ask the questions in Ed Ford's responsible thinking process, you ask it with a flat affect, dispassionate. Uh, one teacher even told me he turns, even though it riles him inside, he's boiling inside, he turns and he looks at the questions and he reads them in as flat a tone as he can to, to, to suck all that energy out of the confrontation. So now they're focusing strictly on that student's behavior and he says it's kind of turned into a joke it's, it's, it's humor and as soon as these, the students see him turn towards that sign no matter what the level of of discipline it is they know they know and then they start they go into this mode already so i i, I totally understand what they're talking about with uh, uh where the attitude you come into it can be such makes such a difference that's a great reminder and, and i can say that over the years of working in the office, it's interesting when the teachers come down and they're riled up. You know, mm -hmm. it, the, the kids, you can understand, the kids are going to make mistakes, they're going to learn, this is, this is how we teach them. Mm -mm. And, um... <laughs> Never. Uh-uh. You know? It's a perpetual thing. It lasts 190 days, seven hours a day. So, um... You know, this is just an opportunity to teach them what it's like to be polite. And, you know, one of the teachers said that the kids were cracking up the other day because as kids are going late, or if they're late to class, I tell them, you need to hurry. You feel bad about being late. And the kids were cracking up. And I said, that's okay. I don't care that they're cracking up. I want them to know they should feel bad about being late. And if nobody tells them that... <laughs> They're never going to know. Mm -hmm. Really, I should feel bad about being late. I shouldn't be late. <laughs> you know, and we take a lot of that for granted, but if nobody ever tells them, this is what you should do, this is how you should feel, this is, then 
we can't hold them accountable for it. All right, next up, um, web spotlight. Have you ever needed, or could have you have ever used a flowchart mm. in teaching in your class? Well, if you could have. <laughs> no, no, my science indicates. Golly, Sean, you're not helping me at all here, are you? No, let's just leave him out there to hang. <laughs> Thank you, Sean. <laughs> um, there is a, uh, a website that allows you to create um, beautiful, simple flowcharts. Um, fairly easy to use. There are also, there's a couple of, uh, of, um, tutorial videos that I would suggest that you listen to. They're really short. They're less than a minute each, I think. Um, and that'll just give you a real quick idea of how to use it. If you register, which is free, then you can export them to PDFs. You can um, embed the HTML um, source code, and um, it's it's really it's really cool. It was really designed for with web designers in mind, but um, it can work for creating just simple flowcharts. Um, I could see this being used in even in an advisory class of kind of like a decision tree kind of thing. Okay, if this happens, then what should you do? Um, if you're doing anything with like the seven habits of highly effective people, or if you're doing, um, you know, kind of choice-based things, you could create a, a quick and easy flowchart there um in social studies as well this happened this led to this if you know in general who's in Mababur had done this what would have happened you know kind of thing so that's right so you can take that up and of course that is 100 percent f-r-e-e free mm -hmm. be great for, for mapping writing too yeah you could you could do um some writing and if you were especially if you were doing like a um uh, you know, the, one of the things that I thought of real quickly was if you're doing one of those multiple ending stories, this would be a really great way to set that up. Um, or if you're doing even a presentation where, you know, you want to be able to jump around, you can see that. Okay, so that's one. Um, also up, we've got um, Google has some, some kind of interesting... Um, um, lesson plans for Google Apps for your school, and so I'm going to put a link into the lesson plans that use Google App. Now, here's what I kind of like about this: is it gives you some really some good ideas that maybe not necessarily you would have thought of, and whether or not you use the Google Apps part, it does give you some structure and some additional ideas. So you can you can select in multiple ways. Um, they have products where if you're going to use Google Docs or Sites or Calendar, and Sites is a site is allows you to create a web page, basically. You can create that for free. You can also search by subject: fine arts, social studies, language arts, science, math, or all subjects. And by grade level, they have all K3, 4, 6, 7, 9, and 10, 12, and then, of course, all grades. So did a quick little search, and um, for 7, 9, now they don't have tons and tons of stuff, 
but uh, this is something that I could see uh, growing eventually. And they have, so one, two, three, four, five, six, I see six um, in the seven, nine category. And they had the Cold War hotspots um, that it leads to a lesson plan. It uses sites, um, social studies, and essentially the kids end up, and this is kind of nice because the kids are working in collaborative groups, and you know, you mentioned earlier that they're looking for people that can work in groups. Um, they give you the materials, they're divided into six teams. Each team is assigned one of the six Cold War hotspots, Vietnam, Korea, Cuba, Afghanistan, Iran, and Nicaragua. Um, and the students do some background reading from text or internet sources, they define terms, they, um, they have to locate the country and where the other, where the conflict occurred, what did it involve, some additional research, and all the steps are right there. Now they do link to a YouTube video tutorial, which in most schools you're probably going to have to download first. <laughs> um, and with all this, you're obviously going to have to check to see if it's constrained by your, your IT team. But one of the things that it does do is it gives you an idea of what you could do in groups, what you could have the group do, what the format would look like, what the structure would look like, and some of the specific things that you can, you can have them do. Um, gives you links to video tutorials, gives you rubrics, um, and then it also um, quotes the ISTE standards. Um, so... Uh, again, I thought it was, I thought it was a neat idea to at least look at and see, get an idea of what you could do with that. Um, and that was the only one that I really looked at was the Cold War hotspots. I'll be honest with you, but um, they also have um, um, a place in time with Google Apps outbreak, historical novel erosion, great moments in art. Um, History of Life on Earth, Telling Time in Google Calendar. That's a K3 one. Um, it's a K3 one right there. Um, for some reason it took me back into... Uh, um, writing for Context, The Great Im Immigration Debate. And some of these are grades 10 and 12, but you could probably adjust them very easily um, for your kids. Um, and you might have some kids who are ready for some of the higher level things, and you can, you know, do some differentiation based right there. All right, so that's that one. Any questions about that, Mr. McGurk? No, I have no questions. You sure? No, my hand is not raised. Okay. All right, the next <laughs> one is the Museum Virtual Box. And I thought this was an interesting... interesting. This, was, this one was kind of interesting. Um... This is uh, a site that provides tools for you to build up an argument or description of an event, person, historical period, by placing items in a virtual box. What items, for example, would you put into a box to describe your life, the life of, of a Victorian servant or a Roman so soldier, or to show that slavery was wrong and unnecessary? You can display anything from a text file to a movie. You can also view and comment on the museum boxes submitted by others. 
Um, so this is a pretty graphical section. There is a teacher section as well, um, which is, gives you guidance for teachers, registration and creating student accounts, curriculum areas in which Discovery Box can uh, support learning, um, and also guidance for teachers, copyright, appropriateness, and best behaviors. Um, so there's, there's some, then you can also search the museum boxes, um, and they have uh, quite a few there, I believe, uh, that you can, you can kind of check out. And um, they, you can search for them by, by a couple of different themes. Um, kittens. And kittens. And Kitten Ashley Tisdale. Year one, wooden toys. Sells better. Oh, Henry VIII. Ooh, William Wilberforce. What? <laughs> made, made by Brendan. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I thought the concept was kind of interesting um, in terms of having kids collect things and... Uh, you know, being able to c collect multiple things, so that is something that people could check out. Hannah Morse looks like a queen. Oh, I see. You know, it, it's it's it's. Uh, think of it as a form of mapping. It, yeah. Oh, cool. When you when you build the when you go to the different connections to the person to the initial content uh, mm -hmm. thing in your box, it, uh, it it forms it as a cube. And then it rotates the cube as you click on it. Um, unfortunately, this part, text doesn't show up too well um, on this. Pictures seem to work pretty good. There's a document. I think if I click it, I can download. Yep. I don't want to download it, though. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, so it's cubic. It's a cubist form of mapping. How's that? Yeah. So, uh, and again, it's, it's, it's pretty visual. Um, and... It is, it's, uh, you know, just kind of uh, another way of looking at things and another way to meet. Some kids may really, really groove on this. Um, just something else to throw in the toolbox there. Well, then it'll take you to the web page that you archived. That's a cool idea. And then you can totally get around some of the stuff that your IT people would be objecting to. Yes, this is cool. This is cool. This is very cool. You can do the rest of the show. I'll be back. <laughs> okay, I guess I'll be talking really slow. <laughs> I don't have that much stuff left. Um, uh, another thing, that, another website that uh, I thought we'd spotlight today is the CU Online Handbook. Um, and I thought this was interesting. Um, the subtitle is, and this is from the University of Colorado, Denver. And it's the CU Online Handbook, and it's Teach Differently, Create and Collaborate. And this is a PDF, so you could download this. You could even, heaven forbid, print it out. It is um, a little lengthy. I will, uh, I will forewarn you. Um, it's over 100 pages. But they have some, some really interesting things. They have... Um, trends and issues with online learning. So they have different um, professors who have written articles from reluct reluctant to reticent to engaged and enthusiastic, the passage to online teaching. So they talk about the process that people go through, and they talk about the process that students go through. 
And I, I think it's kind of an interesting overview of some of the things, and it, it acknowledges that not everybody's going to be woo-hoo-hoo on this, that there are some things you have to do and go through. They also have some technology in action. The advantages of a Ning social network within higher education program so they go through and they, they give you some information from real people that have used things like this. Um, here's one that Sean is going to jump to. Uh, page 45, Instructional Uses of Twitter. I've lost Sean again. Um, <laughs> um, using audio for giving feedback to project teams. A useful complement to track changes. Um, a teaching video uh, project brought to closure, uh, improving the design of PowerPoint presentations, <laughs> um, um, which if you're going to use those, need to be <laughs> improved. Um, and then they also have some interesting stuff. They have emerging tools and applications, Audacity, Blogger, Bubble, Delicious, Facebook, Flickr, Google Docs, Google Reader, um, Jing, Picnic, PB Works, um, Skype, Twitter, Ustream, Zotero, YouTube. They they just got a lot of stuff and some resources. And then throughout the entire document, they also have a lot of resources cited. So I think it's a really good resource for people to look at to get some more information and find out where they can find some more about it. So if you're doing anything with online learning or you're going to be doing anything with online learning, I think this is a really good resource to take a look at and to maybe share with some IT people and say, look, this is, this is, these are, these are the potential issues and the University of Colorado can do it. <laughs> You're at least as good as University of Co people work at University of Colorado, right? <laughs> I, I know I am because so, I, have, I have a degree from Eastern Michigan University. There you go. That's right. You know what? Just jumping off of this, I'm looking at I'm only a few pages in. I yes. <laughs> okay, here we go. Sparkling moment uh, coming. Sparkling moment. It's been a while since we had one. So um, page two. <laughs> um, but they they set examples of things like summer web camp, winter web camp, spring mm -hmm. symposium. What if what if you found somebody to give you a grant where you ran a summer program using tools like this? Not to teach new content skill or skills, but reinforce existing skills over the summer. You've got a hook. You've got, and, and you don't have to make it, you know, mandatory. You take the kids that want to come, mm -hmm. and then, um, you know, just just work on reinforcing existing skills using these technologies. That would also give you a way to try it out, and decide whether or not you want to pursue it as a building or as a district, or absolutely. By the, and by the same token. I mean, you've already got the stuff there. It's just a matter of getting somebody to come in and and do stuff with it for, oh, let's say three, four weeks, four or five weeks during the summer. Uh, give them a stipend. Get the get the the, the sponsoring group to give the the teachers slash teachers a stipend. It doesn't even have to be the same. What if you ran a uh, tag team and you know some teachers are there both days? Um, I mean, not both days. You got two teachers in in, in the same room for. Um, some days, but then, you know, other days of the week, it's one teacher versus the other, not versus, or the other, and you, and you play off so that, you know, you still get that, that break during the summer as, uh, as a faculty. Ooh. Priorities of the professorate. I, I think that 
this is written specifically to Colorado University, but there's so much, there's so, there, I, I think that's actually one of the benefits though, because it is very specific and you can see where, oh, okay, they're doing it exactly this way. Well, in my school, it may look like this, or I would change this topic for that one. But because it is specific and it's not just real general, you can see how it is they're really doing something and what it is they're bringing in. And they're bringing a lot of the really, the, the really good research from up you know, now as, as part of this. And again, there are lots of, there's lots of, ref, there's lots of references in there as well. Yeah, and, and their essential question, let me go back up just a little bit, um, and their essential question I think is something that a lot of schools are discussing or struggling with mm-hmm. uh, right now based on change is, and it is how to teach differently. That's it. I mean, that, what's a huge question? You, you answer that and you'll have people beating down your door to, to buy your answer. Mm-hmm. But I, I'll, by the same token, I think you're right. I think this is tailored specifically to see you. Um, but you certainly could take the principles that they've used to tailor it and tailor it to... No, we shouldn't tell everybody this because then we, we could make money off of this. <laughs> yes, no. well, it, it's it's kind of like we could, but um, the likelihood of us actually... Uh... No, we have day jobs. Yes. Yeah. I say you quit your job, start working on this, and I'll help you out. Uh, okay. Remember, I have two kids who are going to college soon, so... Yeah, good luck with that. (laughs) So, um, but again, you know, I do want to point out, it is really specific, but I think it gives you an insight into um, what it is that people are doing, and they they do give you specific ideas of what you can use, and it's... um, yeah, and, and your kids are going to run into this when they do hit college. Um, mm-hmm. I think this is coming sooner than later. Yeah, and the other thing I like about this is they're not all, this is all cake and ice cream. Um, you know, I'm looking quickly through the, the Twitter piece here, mm-hmm. and they do have, um, you know, a social presence and online learning. So that's a, a couple, two paragraphs. Social presence and Twitter um, that's another four paragraphs, and two of them are really, really short. Twitter in action, and they have lots of bullet points with that, of what it is that that people can are actually doing and what it is they can do and how it is they do it. Um, other instructional benefits of Twitter, um, with uh, five or six bullet points there. Possible drawbacks, and they, they're citing research. And then a conclusion. The conclusion is uh, one, two, three, four, four and a half lines. Mm-hmm. And then lots of references. You know, several references. So you can go and look and see. And then it gives a bio of the, the person. Um, and then it goes to the next part. So each part of this is just is really, really short. It is digestible. It fits our current um, attention level. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um and they, they go through lots of stuff, and you can, you know, if you want to know what Wordle is, do you know what Wordle is? Yes. Okay. Um, they talk about Wordle, so maybe you want to, and that's like two pages. Um, 
So it gives you um, an, an interesting overview and really short. They're doing a lot of covering a lot of ground very specifically, very quickly. So we used Wordle when we made that uh, when we did our review of Animoto and we made the Middle School Matters intro video. Right. We've got a couple Wordles in there. You're very being very gracious by saying we. <laughs> I, we did. So. Um, so there's, but there's lots of stuff in there, and it, it, again, it's over 100 pages, covers lots of stuff. You can pick and choose what you want to read. This is not something that you would have to sit down and read from beginning to end. It's something that you could say, you know, I really would like to know about Bubble. Um, so I'm going to read those two pages. Um, or, you know, you guys keep talking about Delicious, and there is a one-page Delicious um, kind of overview um, you know, Facebook, one page, Flickr, one page, Google Docs, one page, Google Reader, one page, um, iSpring, one page, Jing, want to guess how many pages? <laughs> <laughs> so these are all just one, you know, just one page overviews of different works that they have, different tools that you could get to and use. So, songs are. So, um, you know, SkyDrive, which they also give you alternatives. Dropbox, one of our favorites. One of my favorites, at least. I don't, yeah. know, how, <laughs> I don't know how Sean's feeling about it right now. but <laughs> I'm, I'm really attached to my USB thumb drives, apparently. I need to use Dropbox more. But, well, and you know what? I've been trying to get my... Uh, get me to use more by putting it on my iPhone because there's a, uh, a Dropbox iPhone app. Yep. And it just got updated, by the way. Um, so, but there—I mean, there's interesting things here. They're talking about teacher prep and, and principal licensure and uh, using this type of thing to train special ed teachers. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, yeah, definitely pick and choose. I mean, the one—you know—I'm I'm definitely not interested in, in anything related to uh, principal licensure. Um, but you know, some of the other stuff about teacher uh, training and using this stuff. Make sure find Web 2.0 and informal learning. Um, what if you ran an orbital with your kids that aren't getting challenged? Because uh, like Carol Giselle was talking about, it, NCLB does nothing to challenge our upper-level kids. Right. What if we use something like this to challenge those kids and keep them in school and keep them interested in school, maybe even using them to uh, create material that could be used for those those other kids as a way of showcasing and, and, and showing off what they've learned by the same token you're then using that to instruct and teach other students without making the, the uh, your brighter kids feel like they're, they're being dragged or they're dragging a, a load along with them while they're trying to learn, you know, slowing them down. Absolutely. So I would I would suggest you go and take a look at that, read what you think is interest of interest to you, and skip the rest of it. Um, but if you're looking for ideas for how you can use some of these Web 2.0 things in the classroom, this is one place to go. All right. Um, let's see now. We are... I'm in Chapter 5, so keep going. Okay, but the next one was supposed to be you, but we're going to... We'll skip that one for now, because... As, as usual, we're running short on time, and we just got to the news. Um, there's an interesting article on Twitter lessons in... 140 characters or less. Mm. And this was a... Um, um, I have to find 
You have to find my link, because that one is actually out of order right now. <laughs> um, and, and this is goes back to the idea of a teacher using Twitter in class, and he, how it is that he's using it, and some of the criticisms of using it. Um, Daniel T. Willingham says it's not a research-based tool. The most important thing to remember is that we have no idea what impact these tools have on learning, and it will take a decade to answer that question. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know if we're supposed to wait <laughs> a decade <laughs> in order to use a tool that by that time will have changed completely. <laughs> and it may not be around. <laughs> or what, but... Um, but I think it's interesting. Um, you know, there's some things in here that I take askance with um, in the article, um, particularly when they say that there are some famous and previously not so famous humors that have gained thousands or even millions of followers who follow their tweets or send or retweet them to others. The only people that have millions of followers are on the suggested users list, which people automatically subscribe to when they first sign up to Twitter, um, and people don't need millions of people, Twitter uh, followers, to have an impact. Um, and then it does point out that Twitter's not really caught on among school-age children. It seems to be more of a mature audience. <laughs> um, but, you know, there there is kind of two sides of the article. There's two sides of this provided, and it is an interesting... Um, there are some interesting uses. There's some pros and cons debated. Um, it's a nice little article. And uh, I think it's, again, another conversation starter. And it's something that if people are using Twitter, we would love to hear from them. So they could give us a shout-out as to how it is that they're doing, what it is they're doing with Twitter as well. So you can check out that one. Um, and I'm going to try to do this one real quick because I thought this one was interesting. We're constantly debating college readiness. I mean, that's the whole big buzzword now everywhere. College readiness, college readiness, college readiness. Dallas schools are focusing on getting all students ready for college. They face a daunting challenge uncovered by a new district tracking system. Almost half of fifth graders are not ready for middle school. Huh. It was 48%. 52% are considered ready for middle school. 48% were not. To be re considered ready for middle school, fifth graders had to pass the state tax test, T-A-K-S. That sounds, that, that's ironic. Exams in reading, math, and science, and could not fail more than one core academic class, according to the district's formula. Um, you don't just get on the college track in high school. You're really on the college track well before that, is a quote from the article. And that really forms well with uh, Robert Belfour's research that came out and we cited earlier this year about the importance of sixth grade. Mm -hmm. And if they're not ready for sixth grade and they're not successful in sixth grade, the likelihood of them graduating from high school and going to college is extremely minimal. So um, I would encourage people to 
take a read through that and start asking your, yourself in your own district, are the kids ready for sixth grade? I think it's a good spot to start. I just found an advisory thing for next week. Okay. <laughs> well, so you'll have to tune in next week for the good advisory thing. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I found a really good one. It popped up, it popped up in, our, in, our, in our feed. Excellent. Cool. <laughs> okay. So if people want to get a hold of us, Sean, where can they get a hold of us? Well, first of all, they should wear soft gloves. Or, or, you know, oven mitts, because I don't want them to have a very strong grip, because that could hurt. I do bruise easily. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> uh, they could contact us at middleschooleducators at gmail.com. They could leave a post at middleschoolmatters.com. They could find us at MS Matters on Twitter. And, of course, both of us are on Facebook, and you can contact us that way. We'd love to hear from you. And we did, I did put a little shout-out, because we do have a presentation coming up. Mm-hmm. And we were asking people how they use their PLN, what they use their PLN for. So, And we're going to use that as part of the presentation. So if you respond to us, either on Twitter or email, please note that we do intend to use the responses in our presentation. Um, but we would greatly appreciate that information as well. And I might also make a hashtag and, and throw a Twitter feed on the wall while we're doing our presentation so you have a chance to comment and talk about things while we're doing a presentation as well. That's if I really get ambitious. <laughs> <laughs> Troy's looking at me going, Really? Really, Sean? <laughs> really, Sean? Let's take in the... I don't mind leading, living on the bleeding edge, but when we start cutting into the sword... <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, until next week, this is Middle School Matters for middle school educators who care. <laughs>